Welcome to another episode of Dying for Midnight, DFM. Be mindful of your surroundings while tuning in. There might be a fellow listener, and they're a lot closer than you think. This barbecue needs is a little blood. <laughs> Welcome everyone to another episode of the Dime for Midnight podcast. Here at DFM, we are unofficially kicking off the end of our first season with what Carrie and I and Jake are calling hungry for the holidays. No, it was not on our episode guide, but it, it's a thing. This is going to lead us through November and December. And Carrie, after today, we've only got seven episodes left of our first season. I know. I can't believe it. So um, I, I think with that theme, we might be lying a little bit. I don't think we're really ready for the. We might be hungry for the holidays. We might be drinking on the holidays like I want to have this beer right now. But I'm not ready. I'm always ready to eat. Yes. But I'm not ready. I need I, to I find some good wine again. We're recording this for those of you that are uh, listening in just after midnight EST or wherever you're at around the world. Um, this is the day after October 31st. One of our favorite, if not our favorite day of the year next to birthdays and Christmas maybe. But um, I, I hate Carrie that October is over. I know. It went by so fast. I can't believe it. So... Down the road from us, we have folks that the moment Halloween ended, like I woke up today, November 1st, took the kids to school, took zombie toots and ghostly puppers to school. The holiday lights were up and it's like clockwork every year. And I shit you not that that is an assault on my senses. And frankly, I'm, I'm not just somebody, recovering. I don't from get Halloween. A, I don't get, you know what? When you say recover, like when I think of recovering, I'm thinking like all of the activities that were between our beginning of October anniversary and which led us up to actual Halloween, like all of the kids stuff or the school stuff or the work stuff. And yeah, I mean, we watched a lot of fun movies. We decorated the inside of our house. I think, by the way, our neighbor called us out and said, hey, when we first moved here, you guys used to do all the vintage things on the outside and we haven't done the outside lights in a while and we maybe we need to get back to well that. we we haven't because we have really haven't had trick-or-treaters in our neighborhood but apparently the last moment night, we do that we have the most yeah. trick-or-treaters we've ever had here in the eight years that we've next been here year we're, we're gonna plan to up our game yeah so i'm not somebody who's easily offended but when i see christmas lights immediately in november 1st i am frankly i'm offended <laughs> so you know what though this isn't going to stop us from talking horror most of the year. Now, as I said earlier, guys, DFM fam, we've only got seven episodes left. Um, one thing that I normally don't bring up that we'll start talking a little bit more and more as we close out season one is that um, we are going to be taking a break in January. Well, part of part of December, the holidays, and all of January. And 
yes, we are fortunate enough that we will be back for season two. We actually have had a slow and steady ascent uh, on our subscribers and our downloaders and our, our listeners. So the DFM fam is growing slowly but surely. But um, we need time to not only plan for season two, which we'll talk about that a little bit later, but um, we, we need some downtime. We need some time to just like exhale a little bit. We'll still have our everyday stuff going on with the kids and, and work and whatnot, but to be able to walk away for the podcast for basically six weeks. Yeah. Um, we're still going to have like kind of production meetings with Jake, the Midnight Traveler. We're, we're planning stuff out. Yeah. So it's not even though we're taking a break, we're not. Yeah. Completely. We're kind of having internal discussions about finalizing this guide, which I think we finally have for uh, season two. But anyways, um, hey, let's talk about right now, though. Okay. We're, we're not going to stop talking about horror. Just because it's November 1st. This week, DFM fam is episode 38. Or what we like to call, sorry, no booze, only sweatpants. And I'm sure that episode title is probably going to raise some questions. What the hell is he talking about? Well, we'll let you know in a yeah. bit. This week's episode title is a very personal one as it relates to the movie we're talking about today. And yeah, stick around and you'll find out why exactly we call it that normally our movie titles hint to something that happens in the movie or a character or a plot but not not this week the this one i don't know why i came up with this but i just like you know what this is one of the movies we saw in theaters when it came out um and we had a little little happening it wasn't a big deal but it's something in our memory that was important to us whenever we were first married um so uh carrie any other thoughts about the name of this movie i've kind of went on a little tangent there but um what is the rodriguez tarantino double feature so we're talking we're talk about? about grindhouse <laughs> you pause there you sounded like you were about to say something else <laughs> so so okay so we're going to explain yes. why we named it sorry no booze only sweatpants and horror etc yes after intermission, then? After okay, intermission. all right, got it. Yeah. Oh, okay, Male Wolf. Hold up a second, guys. We've got Jake the Midnight Traveler here, and he has got a lot to say about this double feature. Case and Carrie. It was all over. All that was really left were memories and dreams of days gone by as the night came in and the rain fell. The only shelter that seemed to be standing was the movie theater. Hello, my friends out there in the world. It's Jake, the Midnight Traveler, back to spin another yarn about another film that wouldn't be out of place at a late-night showing on the side of your town that your mother probably warned you about. Well, this one is going to be different. Now, it's already established here at Dying for Midnight that my role relays my own personal experiences and threads in some facts about the film, which makes up a small part of the episodes that we present for the whole world to enjoy. Occasionally, I will even take you to the movies as we go through my hazy memories as I attempt to recall what it was like there in the dark while the madness played out on the big screen. But tonight will be different. I have no choice 
But to take you back to the rainy spring of 2007 in the suburbs, just north of Pittsburgh, as we look into an experiment that failed in the sense that my contempt for most of the movie-going public grew, as two titans tried to have some fun with us, but most of the world was too square to get it. But I did, and some others that I knew did, and this failure became a light in the darkness for many that guided us towards safer harbors. Yes, for your listening pleasure, we are looking at the Quentin Tarantino-Robert Rodriguez joint feature, Grindhouse. But this time, I'm going to have to take you in deeper, as we will have to go to the movies for this one as well. No need to worry. I have the tickets, and I know the way, and I'm behind the wheel. Just sit back and relax, but make sure you're buckled in and sitting where I'm sitting. Now, for those of you not in the know, the title of this double header of films can be defined as, quote, an often shabby movie theater having continuous showings, especially of violent or pornographic films, end quote. In other words, it's a literal place that won't be showing the latest Disney film, but would probably show Ilsa, She-Wolf of the SS. And you'd probably be nervous parking your car there at this place at night. Over time, this would become the nickname of a subgenre of films, much like the ones I just mentioned. Usually full of blood, beasts, boobies, and more, if you know what I mean, and I think you do. These films were some of the mother's milk that nourished and nurtured filmmakers like Tarantino and Rodriguez, and when they became men of power and influence, they decided to have fun with this, and this labor of love was the result. Two movies for the price of one in a tight three hours, this was going to be big. The first feature, Planet Terror, was a zombie outbreak film from Rodriguez, while the second was Death Proof, a story of a serial killer with an automotive angle on his attack on beautiful women that he preys upon from Tarantino. The original Grindhouse films were made by indie studios with small budgets with mostly no-name actors or future superstars who desperately needed a paycheck. This time... There would be a big budget with big names and marketing everywhere and anywhere that they could throw up the title. So, where do you fit in all of this, Traveler? I'm glad you asked that. Let's go back to the middle of the first full decade of the 21st century. A time for change and transition on all levels. Especially for a young college grad who just moved back home. Many say that certain life experiences make you grow up in life and they can shut the door on anything you knew about beforehand. Well, at the end of 2006, I was sitting alone in a production booth at CBS Radio on Christmas morning with my guitar in my hand, wondering where it all went wrong. In the span of a mere two months, my first girlfriend left me for another man, I got laid off from my part-time job and lost one of my best friends to a drug overdose. Merry Christmas. That life that you once knew is over and that door has now been closed. 
You're alone on Christmas, broke, and wishing everything was the way it was before. Life wasn't fun, and it didn't look like it ever would be again. Let's back up a bit. My communications degree did land me a job at CBS Radio in Green Tree, which is on the other side of the Fort Pitt Tunnel, on top of a ridge, overlooking Carnegie. This would have been cool, except for the fact that I was working both first and third shifts while making minimum wage and getting no sleep from Thursday night until Monday morning. Even as a 22-year-old, this was absolutely brutal on me. While my friends were out having fun, I was stuck at the station as a board operator, basically a disc jockey who doesn't talk, and make sure all the piped-in programs were playing properly. If the paycheck were at least decent, it would have been cool, but all it really was to me was isolation at a time when that was the last thing I needed. One weekend, I got a little taste of the good times when two friends from college came to town to visit. Elisa and Melissa were two platonic friends who took a strange liking to me, and the latter wound up falling for one of my best friends, Phil. I tell you, that guy's impossible to be mad at for too long. He's one of those people you meet and you just want to be his friend no matter what the cost. His drama had put me through the ringer before, but I still to this day don't want to see a world without him being my brother from another mother. We all got to meet up, between my shifts at the station that is, at the Perrytown Tavern and tried to plot out the weekend. I told them I would be indisposed from time to time and wasn't happy about it, but would do what we could together. After working an early morning at the station, we all met up and we were taken to the Ross Park Mall on a rainy Saturday afternoon where we were, for lack of a better term, Batan Death Marched through the complex for three hours while the girls went shopping. By now, all the cool stores were gone, and Phil and I were delegated to roles of bag carriers. Phil can't say no to anything a woman asks him, but I have my limits. If they were going to do this to us, well then quid pro quo. They were going to do something for us. I told Phil while we were sitting on a bench outside yet another clothing boutique that we were picking the movie. And they were going to go along with whatever the hell we slash I wanted. Phil immediately said that we have to consider what the girls want. And I diplomatically said, fuck that, and said that we were going to see Grindhouse. They took three hours from us here. I was going to get it back there. We broke the news to the girls who said, anything but Grindhouse. And I told them, too bad. They could tell that I wasn't a man to be trifled with, and after a stop at Sheets, we entered the rain-soaked Showcase Cinemas North and took in the show. I knew that for at least the next three hours, I could escape from the depression and dread of my existence, surrounded by good friends, before I had to drag myself back to the studio at 4 a.m. This 
was an experience, to say the least, people. <laughs> the cool thing was they even inserted fake trailers from movies that didn't exist, but someday would in some cases, more on those later, before and between each of the two features. Now, Planet Terror came on first, and it was easily the higher energy of the two films. Rose McGowan and an impressive cast, which included Bruce Willis, Michael Bain, Jeff Fahey, Josh Brolin, and Michael Parks show up as a chemical weapon is unleashed and turns the population into the living dead with a taste for flesh and chaos. This one has all the gore and explosions and girl-on-girl makeouts you could possibly ask for, with a damn good script that does nod a bit towards the audience, but at the same time toes the line between seriousness and parody well. I could hear the girl shriek when the soldier's nuts melted off after he was stabbed in the eye by Rose McGowan's peg leg before it was outfitted with an M16. Yep, you heard that right, people. All the cool shit that any 14-year-old boy or a 40-something Hollywood filmmaker millionaire with millions of dollars was jammed into this. So please try to keep up, because it will keep coming until the credits roll, and maybe for a few minutes after that. Throw in a couple more trailers from Edgar Wright and Rob Zombie, just to name a few, and we now have Death Proof. Starring Kurt Russell, Rosario Dawson, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and interestingly, Rose McGowan and Michael Parks again, among others. We now have Kurt playing the villainous stuntman Mike, who provides an interesting twist on the serial killer when it comes to his weapon of choice. This one is way more dialogue-heavy, as it follows two groups of women in Texas and Tennessee who are stalked by the aforementioned stuntman. Most of this film, I will warn you, is women talking. Take that as you will, but this is pretty much a three-hour Tarantino movie condensed into 70 minutes, so he's got to get his talking in there as much as he can. Still, the action scenes in here are impressive as hell, as a slamming 70s soundtrack provides the background to all the vehicular viciousness. I think, actually, as time has gone by, I like this one a little better, because even with all the talking, it's a bit more original. It really tweaks with the Grindhouse formula more than the first film. And I really dig that soundtrack, which I picked up a few days later. After the final credits rolled and we headed out to Phil's Blazer for the ride home, the only thing that the girls really complained about was all the girls talking in Death Proof. <laughs> the gore and nonsense didn't really bother them, but they said that there was way too much talking. <laughs> Go figure. I left that theater feeling so much better than when I went in. But it quickly faded as I said goodbye to the rest of my friends who were off to have fun for the rest of the night while I had to go get what sleep I could before I had to go back to work. But still, this movie had a huge impact on me 
and I will be forever grateful for those three hours of joy at a time when I desperately needed it. The public missed the joke entirely on this. They didn't get the whole two movies thing, and reports of people walking out after the first film made the rounds as it died at the box office. To this day, seeing this entire thing in the theater is one of the biggest points of pride that I have as a moviegoer. With all due respect to anyone who missed the point of this, I say, fuck off. This was fun, this was an experience, and it's genuinely too bad that you didn't get it. This is the power of films to me. Chances are that everyone has an experience like this, and if you haven't had yours yet, I really hope you do soon. There was something else, though, about this experience. Something about Death Proof that made an impact on me, and I would someday soon find myself in that world within the decade, walking those streets and eating at Guero's with a beautiful blonde who would be gone from this world within three years and taking a piece of my heart with her. But that is another story. I could tell you more, but I think I will have to wrap this up here. I got to get to the chili parlor before last call and get a bowl of Texas Red before this front comes in. See you next midnight, Jake. So we're going to dive right in, DFM fam. We're going to talk about this poster that, I'm sorry to say, maybe didn't get enough love, didn't attract enough eyes, had people confused way back in 2007. It didn't confuse us. No. We were all about this. We'll get into that a little bit later, but... We really didn't have any money whenever this came out. Oh, yeah. We were only married for, gosh, wait a second. No, we weren't even married yet, were we? We were engaged. We were. April 2007. Yeah, we, were, we weren't even married yet. Yeah. We were engaged. We en- yeah, we were engaged. Were yes. We, were we engaged? We were in the apartment. Okay. We were engaged. Okay. Okay. Wow, so we weren't even married yet. Wow. Okay. Here I'm thinking, oh, yeah, this is pre-kids, blah. That's it, the end. No, pre-marriage. <laughs> i was gonna about to do a cedar rapids quote but i'm not gonna don't I'm not gonna talk about pre-porking <laughs> so the grindhouse the rodriguez tarantino double feature and yeah that's planet terror and death proof so Everybody knows who loves this movie or is at least aware of it or watch at least once. When you think of this poster, you've got a lot going on in this poster. And if you're not somebody who's used to the idea of drive-in movies or what was the Grindhouse all about, the Grindhouse theaters back in the day, um, this is a lot to take in. But Carrie, what is your favorite thing about this poster? Well, I, it's hard to pick out just one. Actually. It is. I, I I love. I love the black and red coloring. It's just a really great contrast, and it just it makes everything just pop. Yeah. And that's what you want in a poster. You want stuff to pop. It's just eye catching, and you know what? Two movies for the price of one. 
It doesn't get any better than that. I like how you just put on the straight up marketing eye to this. <laughs> so I'm going to go. There's a ton of characters. And there's, there's a slew of characters going across the bottom of each poster as it relates to each movie. Um, this is like two posters within this poster, right? Favorite thing about this poster that stands out. Rose McGowan. Rose McGowan. Rose McGowan. <laughs> And if you have never watched this movie, you are not aware of it or have not seen the poster to see Rose McGowan, who, by the way, at this point in time was like basically the first thing that you thought of in the 2000s was like, oh, Rose McGowan. She was on Charmed, right? Yeah. She played Dewey Riley's oh, sister, yeah. Tatum. Yeah. And you know, she yeah. was Sydney's best friend in Scream. And here she is in the poster with a freaking machine gun for a peg leg, basically. Which is awesome and badass. Which is awesome, and it manages to be really sexy at the same time. Okay? Um, that just stands out. Uh, I, I find it really interesting that they had Rose McGowan on the mind to star, to be the headliner, basically, for this whole thought. Because, yeah, I mean, she pops up again in, in uh, Death Proof. Yes. Only but, she's a smaller character. But, but she's the headliner. She's, yeah. When you say Grindhouse, that's the first name that comes yeah. up. Easily, oh, yeah. Easily. So what would you, with all that being said, what would you change about the poster here? So I, I would actually like to see more people on the Planet Terror poster besides Rose McGowan. Like, I like her front and center, but I would like to see, mm -hmm. like, another character or two. Yeah, and yes, I love Rose McGowan, but here's the other thing, too. She is underneath the Death Proof poster, so she's on this thing twice, okay? She's a completely different character, and which, by the way, Death Proof actually happens before Planet Terror yes. because you see some of the same characters. You see those, the crazy babysitter twins are in there at that bar, um, you see characters from Planet Terror at the hospital yep. in Death Proof. You see the sheriff. You see Dr. Block's wife. And that was Marley Shelton, correct? Yes, correct. Yeah, who uh, was secretly with Fergie, which I love every time I think of Fergie. I think of my dad getting drunk oh and my singing gosh. my humps and rolling out of the back of a van. Um, at, a, at a very prominent theme park. Yeah. Um, so... Rose McGowan is a delight. There's too much Rose McGowan, though. So I know that's kind of like a... I kind of went against what I said I love about this poster. But come on, no Michael Bean, no Tom Savini. They need a pick on here under the Planet Terror side of this poster. And yes, I know we see Kurt Russell's silhouette sitting in that car. But come on, you got Kurt Russell. Put his face on the poster. And you have Mary Elizabeth Wanstead. Now that one... That one is a little more understandable because she wasn't really a bigger. I, I name was just going to say she was, but it, but even let's forget about where she was at in her career at that point. If we're like, why is there a cheerleader on this poster? What is that all about? Because if you didn't know anything about the plot, you're like, okay, something weird's going to happen with cheerleaders. <laughs> but um, so, anyways, now what are what's like a favorite part of your? tagline or what what's one of the favorite parts of the taglines in here for you I, I mean for me can't even english today folks sorry it, it, it plays on the cheese factor you know 
together in one smash explosive show. It's cheese, and it's meant to be cheese, and it's a love and an ode to those movies. Yeah, and you even already said the other tagline, two great movies for the price of one, basically. The thing that sticks out to me, um, and we have to do the taglines due diligence in a second here. I'll I'll make sure I mention the taglines for each actual separate movie here, but um, I just love that it says back-to-back. How many opportunities do you see movies packaged this way? And it even says on here, Quentin Tarantino, oh, there goes our sand panel just fell. Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez are back. There's like this little thunderbolt thing. It says, but this time they're back to back. So I like that. That's my favorite part of this poster. But if we're talking about taglines, Carrie, I'm just going to ask you straight up. Planet Terrors is the last hope for humanity rests on a high power machine gun. And of course, they're talking about Rose McGowan's leg. And for Death Proof, it's these eight women are about to meet one diabolical man. What's your favorite out of those two? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's the women-centric one The these eight women are about to meet. On Death Proof? Yeah. Okay. So now let's think about alternate taglines, Carrie. Okay. Give me an alternate tagline for Grindhouse. <laughs> Explore your wildest fantasies at the grindhouse i like that one now i'm gonna go with something again everybody you know i go a little bit more long-winded i'm going with twice the horror two times the sex double the feature experience all the oozing pleasures of the grindhouse (laughs) you like that that's a good one i think I, i don't know why i just wanted to use oozing because the grit of the film gives you an oozing feel. The oozing of the mutants and Planet Terror give you, gives you an oozing feel. Um, the se- it oozes sex throughout both of these movies. The nastiness oozes throughout. All- it just ooze. When I think of this movie, I think of the word ooze. It just per- there's a permeation of a of a nasty spirit throughout both of these films. Well, y- but it's also it's also like. It's diabolical that you're enjoying it as much as you are as the viewer. <laughs> it, there, it, each of these movies has their own little quirks within the movies. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it, leave it to Tarantino to make a movie about if you're going people to making see, a movie. If you're attracted to this movie, you've got some things that maybe you wouldn't want to share with your friends that you're going to enjoy. And as a guy, it's like, hey, look at Rose McGowan. Oh, she's a go. Wait a minute. Is she a stripper? No, she's a go-go dancer. There's a difference. I set you up because I know I know that she. That's a thing in the movie. (laughs) It's it's go-go, not cry cry. Um, Bye bye. Bye bye. You like the death. You like the sex. You like the violence. Maybe the sadism or the masochism. You like the gore. You like one of those things, at least one of those things, or you wouldn't be here watching this movie. So back in the day, people strolling into the grindhouse, it's like, it's almost like that thing you order online that you're hoping comes in a black bag so nobody notices what it is you're ordering online. It's like, hey, I'm walking into this theater and, hey, so-and-so, what are you up to? We're looking all around. Nope, nothing. Nothing to see here. I'm not going into this grindhouse theater. I'm not going to watch Debbie Does Dallas or I don't know. Some other sleazy looking thing like, um, you know, Cannibal Holocaust, I guess, back in the day. But uh, you get the drift, though. 
Um, going right along to physical media and streaming. Guys, get Grindhouse if you don't have it already. Blu-ray, $7.99. Okay. I'm just going to say this about streaming. Sometimes I do believe streaming is necessary if the price of a DVD is outlandish and you've already got a subscription somewhere and you got to scratch that itch, I say go for it. But um, right now, this is this movie has got a little bit of a problem. It is yeah. no, there is nowhere to stream this movie as presented in theaters as Grindhouse. You have to. Oh, and by the way, like let's say you're going through Amazon like we were. Now, granted, we have the Grindhouse DVD. We could have watched it as we, we saw it. Should have. We should have said I didn't watch. Walk down. I was lazy. I didn't go to the case. I'm like, no, here it is. The stream. Let's just sit here. It's presented as two separate viewing (laughs) options. Separated. But they have two separate thumbnails for English and Spanish. So you have to guess which one is the right one. When you select these separately, you are not getting all the trailers. We had to then go onto YouTube and look up all the all of the four trailers. It only comes with Machete on the one. Yes. Yes, and it had the ads for 18 restricted. That's right. We had to go look up the other trailers. Yeah. So do yourself a favor if you don't already get this packaged up. Um as it's presented in trailers. So I, I wonder if it's because stinks. you had two different directors, like each directing a movie and they wanted to package so it separately. To be specific. Well, yes. So they did present Planet Terror in the UK separately. So all that being said, Grindhouse is on our Amazon watch list, but it's not currently available as Grindhouse. So that's what I'm saying. That's That's where the issue lies. Get that physical media before it's gone. You know... Whatever's left of Best Buy has stopped restocking physical media. You're kidding me. Yep. Yep. Bad move, Best Buy. Bad well, move. Well, Best Buy is pretty much dead anyways, but that that's maybe the death knell to physical media or one of the death blows. It's getting harder and harder to find some titles. That's a scary thought. Um that's why I like places like Vinegar Syndrome or Signups Films or Blue Underground or Diabolic DVD. And it, those places are going to, it'll be interesting to see which way they, they go because they're going to end up with more popular titles that I think down the road they're going to have to release because the big boys are no longer carrying them. Um, that's my thought. But anyways, let's talk about the creators. Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, Carrie, can you name um two movies that two tarantino movies that you enjoy and let's say two that you didn't care for okay so i I, i'm gonna cheat a little bit okay Okay. i love kill bill volume one and two yeah and i love inglorious bastards yeah those yeah you cheated i mean but it's not you like could, you can just stop at volume one you or can't. you can't just sit there and watch volume you two. Could, you definitely can't watch volume two without watching no, one. You can't package two without one, in my opinion, for Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the movies that I watch of his 
more over and over. They are more of a repeat for me. Hmm. Um, are you cold? I'm cold down here. I'm freezing. I mean, it's okay. freezing outside. Well, you haven't been feeling good, too. You've had like a head cold or hay fever or something it's going It's hay on. fever. The, the damn farmers cutting down the hay Listen, has gotten to me. They're the heartland of America. Don't you dare diss our farmers. Listen, I appreciate, I I appreciate them. I'm just frustrated <laughs> no. that I'm, I, I've got so much crud. Yeah. For lack of a better word. Well, now, not only is it not October anymore, you know they're cutting down that that corn crop once and for all. No more corn stalks. They're coming down. But, um, so what about, so in Gloria, talk about, talk about what you like a little bit more. Tell me, tell me more about Kill Bill and Inglorious Bastards. Well, I, first of all, I love, the thing that I think Tarantino does so well, he mixes music with oh my gosh, yeah. in these movies that make them iconic. I mean, whether or not you like all of his movies, you have so, this music. I wanted to drop this knowledge on you because I don't know. I don't know. I don't think you're aware of this. And I know you obviously love strong women. But not only is Beatrix Kiddo, the main character, strong, but you have Daryl Hannah's character, with the eye patch and the sword, who's basically yep. like her rival out. I mean, outside of her husband, Bill, obviously, but that that's like the next, she's like the mirror of Beatrix with yeah. the sword and everything. Tall blonde woman. Um, she was, her character was inspired. Tarantino told her to watch, which is very much a grindhouse movie. Um, there's two, two titles for this thriller, a cruel picture, or they call her one eye. And it's a woman that gets violated. She trains. She's got an eye patch on, a sword. Mm. That's her character's actually inspired from an old 70s movie. Okay. So I thought sometime me and you should watch that so you can see some of the inspiration behind Kill Bill. Yeah. So that's I just wanted to tell you that. Because okay. like I, saw, I read that. I'm like, oh, let me look at the trailer. And then I watch this and I'm like, oh, Carrie's going to like this. So yeah. anyways. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I love the character development, the the plot. Do you like one or two more, volume one or two? It's hard because there's certain aspects of one that I like and there's certain aspects of two that I like. Uh, I, I like the whole bride and she gets put into coma. You find out she gets put in a coma because she's pregnant. And right before she gets shot into, he tells her, it's yours, Bill. Yeah. Yep. And what about Inglorious Bastards? So I really love that it's kind of like an alternate history type of deal. Yeah. And that you have behind the scenes of these spies who you're counting on them to speak certain languages. And one, might I add, speaks very badly the language, even though he says he's like fluent. <laughs> He is not. I mean, they went out of their way yeah. to poke fun at Italian yeah. accents for yeah. sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm just laughing at like Eli Roth's character doing the the hand gestures. <laughs> like he's, you got these Jewish guys playing Italians, which as an Italian, I find I'm not offended by that at all. I was laughing my ass off. And I think more people need to laugh at themselves, but that's a different story. Um, oh, my God. Um the main SS officer in that movie is freaking phenomenal. That guy yeah. scared the fuck out of me. Um, that 
opening scene in, yeah. in the... Au revoir, Shoshana. Yeah. Oh, my God. Ugh. Yes. That may, that That's... It's Tarantino does something that a lot of directors can't do. They can make you wince and laugh and smile at the same time. Like it can be like, oh, this is terrible, but I can't stop enjoying this. It's like this is fun. This like pulled me in. I'm like, oh, we're in for a ride with this one. I remember when we saw that scene, I'm like, this is freaking amazing. And that was the opening I scene. I know, I know. It just drew you in. I, I'm like, this is the first time in a long time I'm watching a World War II movie. And I'm like, because I grew up, and I won't go on too much of a tangent. But I grew up, um, you know, like Kelly's Heroes. I grew up with their the Dirty Dozen. Yeah. Um, you know, high school, uh, saving private Ryan in the late nineties. I mean, I, whether through childhood or teenage, there was a ton and band of brothers. Yeah. It was like, okay, the world war two thing is kind of over now, but then Tarantino's like, nope, I got something else to say. I've got someone to show you around world war two that you haven't seen yet. And I have a little tidbit. Yeah. Even charmed showed you parts of world war two. Charm. Yes. <laughs> Throwing down the charm yes. World War II references. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Oh yeah. So now let's move on, Carrie. What are two Tarantino pieces of work that you maybe? I don't think either one of us hate any of the Tarantinos, but you just give me ones you didn't enjoy as much. So I, I didn't, I did not care to rewatch the Hateful Eight. There were certain things in there. I yeah. Didn't like. Yeah. There were things that it I'm like, like does this, this really need to be in there? Yeah. I was like Yeah. That the the hateful eight came across as like mean, but mean in a way that just came across flat and kind of like, okay, now we're just being mean to be mean, mean without serving the plot. Yeah. So anyways, that's my thought on that. Okay, yeah. that 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 I think we're pretty much in agreement with. Yeah, and then I while I didn't dislike but it didn't draw me in once upon a time in Hollywood. And I really want, I was looking forward to this movie and I was really interested in this movie, but it just, yeah, uh, for me, so it just didn't hit what happened with me. Um, and once upon a time in Hollywood, actually the same thing happened with me with another Tarantino movie. And, and actually once upon a time in Hollywood, the more I read about it, the more I listen to interviews and then go back and watch segments of it, the more I actually like it. Because I think what you hear with Tarantino and all of his movies, you're hearing Tarantino speak through his characters. Like you're hearing a ridiculous amount of movie knowledge. Yeah. So he has said in many interviews, like the once upon a time in Hollywood is a representation of his childhood, understanding both action and Western stars TV or movie starts growing up in that area as a kid. And so a lot of the references and stuff, it's kind of, you have to, and this is even to this day with all the Tarantino movies, you got to watch them all. You can't watch a Tarantino movie just once. You've got to see it multiple times because there's like the smallest freaking reference that it's like, oh, if you haven't seen it, you're not going to get that reference. So it's like, oh, what is that movie that they're talking about? And then I go down that little Tarantino rabbit hole of like, wow, this is something entertaining. I've never even heard of before. Yeah. So that happened with me with actually one of my favorites. Um, but I'm starting to like 
Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a little bit more. I, I, I didn't dislike it. I enjoyed it, but I yeah. think I would I wanted to enjoy it more. <laughs> oh, the freaking flamethrower in the pool at the end. I but, love it. But then again, <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of Western movies. How about he was able to weave a story that included a stunt he's got a thing for stuntman obviously yeah with with death proof and now um pitt's character in once upon a time i feel like there's a fascination there's a fascination there of course there's like a little bit of a controversy with the bruce lee character in once upon a time um and the portrayal of how he actually was there's like i'm still not sure what all that was all about but um no he wove a story about a stuntman kind of like a b-grade western slash action guy who never really got his big break and um he weaved it with the freaking manson family yeah and and like just in true you know what this felt closest to it actually felt closest to pulp fiction yeah the the way that he weaved it and everything came together at the end i'm like oh this is like this is like a cousin to pulp fiction that's what i it felt like and um it's funny how pulp fiction is arguably the movie that put him on the map that got him famous. But that actually ended up being more of like a middling part of my favorites of his. Like, I think it's just so ingrained in pop culture. I almost don't need to feel the need to rewatch it again and again and again. I mean, I, I actually enjoy Pulp Fiction more than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, yeah, me too. So in terms of what I love... I love Reservoir Dogs. That was the that was w- the one that. Hey, who is this guy? Who is this Tarantino? It was made. Who is this Tarantino guy? Harvey Keitel is like, hey, I'm gonna work for this guy. He's got something. He saw True Romance. This guy's got something. He's not there yet, but he's the next big, biggest thing. I saw Reservoir Dogs way after Tarantino was already uber famous yeah uber in demand and the guy and it was like holy smokes imagine being one of the guys that worked with him on reservoir dogs and you're like this guy is something different yeah this guy is about to we got to work with this guy before he you it everything that i've heard in interviews like they knew he was about to explode they knew like hey we got to get on this this is the guy we need to be with i love that they've got different colors for the different characters mr brown mr pink mr blue whatever the care the colors are and um it's such a brutal movie um but it's almost like if you're gonna do tarantino education you you gotta do this before you do pulp fiction um and then the next one this is actually my favorite tarantino movies jackie brown yeah i absolutely love that he took the character max cherry took the character from alligator yeah and and improved on it gave him an expanded even better role than what he than what robert forrester had in alligator and gave him a lot of depth and oh my god did the two main characters in this movie have chemistry oh yes they did Holy smokes. When she's having him play the Delphonic music, the, excuse me, Delphonics, it's like, man, is this, 
And you know what? It's a movie, except for maybe one scene that has nothing to do with Pam Greer or Robert Forrester. It's one of those movies that is sexy as hell without even really barely having to show any actual sex. Yeah. The chemistry is... Talk about the word oozing. I mean, they've both got it in this movie and both of these actors are you could say are past their prime they're aging they're aging but they see this is this is where i'm anti-ageism somebody can get a movie with two aging actors and make it very sexy and fun at the same time so that's my because that's my thought on that and oh 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 Samuel Jackson is so diabolical in this movie. Most of the time, I love the Samuel Jackson character. I couldn't fucking wait for him to get his comeuppance in this one. And he was so fucking cocky and arrogant. Yep. And the quiet bail bondsman, the quiet, unassuming bail bondsman, he finally meets his match there. Um, I just love Jackie Brown. And I'll tell you who else I love. That Jackie Brown is a tale of People that you root for and people that you hope get their comeuppance. And you would think because even De Niro's an awful De Niro's character is an awful son of a bitch in that movie. Um, But another one. um, Oh, so the two I I didn't enjoy as much. Um, You're gonna kill me for this one, but I do not enjoy Kill Bill Volume Two all that much. What? I know it's like the climax, and I know it's the final showdown with Bill and. I know we're, we've built to this in the first one. I absolutely adore Kill Bill Volume 1. The listen, emotional aspect. Listen, listen. I like Kill Bill Volume 2. I like it. I don't love it. It gets super talky. It's like 20 minutes of dialogue, which is very typical Tarantino, I know. It's a lot of freaking talking. What's his name where she goes and he's sitting there smoking the cigar, trying to tell her in a roundabout way where Bill's located at. It's like by the time I make it to the end of Kill Bill Volume 2, I'm like, okay, I'm good. I don't need to watch this for a very long time now. The whole point. I'm exhausted by the end of Kill Bill Volume 2. But the whole point is that she's trying to find out where he is and she has to go through all of these people to figure out where he's holed up at. And it's like... And by the time we get there at the end of the two, I just want it to be fucking over with. I'm sorry. That's just how I feel anymore. Like when we first saw it, I'm like, oh yeah, this is cool. Kill Bill... I hate to tell you this, Volume 2 doesn't get a lot of rewatch for me. It's, listen, you gave me the finger because I have an opinion? Okay. Well, you'd be happy to know that I'm in the camp of I would like to see Kill Bill Volume 3, if that makes you feel any better. Yay. Okay. Here's another you one. You redeemed I, yourself. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. I guess I needed you to redeem me. So, um, wow, you're getting a little crabby up in here. So I would actually like to see a prequel. No, no, no. Yeah, I yeah. I don't need to see the 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 whatever deadly the, vi- the, the deadly, deadly viper five. assassination yeah. squad or whatever it is. Now I'm good. No, no, no. I want to see that. No, you need different actors for it at this point, and that's just not going to happen. They have the de aging technology. No bullshit on your de aging and CGI. Fuck that shit. You deserve a middle finger for that. So there you go. <laughs> no, the other one I don't like is Django. I don't yeah. like it. I, I love that Jamie Foxx loved working with Tarantino and that Samuel L. Jackson loved working with Tarantino and that I love that I heard all the stories about um, DiCaprio 
being very uncomfortable, as he right, rightfully should have felt uncomfortable, saying the dialogue that he had to say. And Fox and Jackson were like, no, dude, you've got you to gotta do it this way. Like, you're not going to do this justice unless you embody that character. Like, we're going to be, basically, we're going to be pissed at you if you don't do it this way. Yeah. And um, I think it's just hard to take. It's still hard to take. It's hard to watch. Um, I probably find it hard to watch more because of them sitting in his little living area watching the two guys fight it out and treating them like animals instead of human beings that it gets to a point of like, okay, I'm glad. Again, like we're getting some kind of fictitious history here in terms of the Django character and this whole setup. These are all fictitious characters. I like that. It's fun. I don't, I just don't. This is like the same reason why I won't watch Roots a million times over. I won't watch The Color Purple a million times over. It's hard to watch. Yeah. It's enter, it's entertaining the first time. I was like, well, I am glad I watched that because it's like, okay, we need to we need to recognize what went on. Um, but I'm not going to watch it because it's just I want to be entertained. I don't want to sit there and. I don't, it, it's like watching um, that Jodie Foster rape. The accused. The, the accused. That, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to sit here and see this again and again. Yeah. It, it's hard. It's hard on my soul to see that stuff. So now that I'm getting all serious, um, let me ask. This is like a really jarring question. Now that we just talked about that, so it's, I'm getting tired too. Um, if you survived, Carrie, the events of Planet Terror, okay. Okay. Seems silly to ask this after talking yeah. about Django. Okay, but I'm going to do it anyways. And we're and and okay, you survived the events of Planet Terror. Carrie, you are tasked in this band of survivors to find, rig up, and show one Rodriguez movie at the end of the world. Which of these three would it be? Desperado from Dust Till Dawn or The Faculty? So I'm immune. I'm one of the people that are immune. <laughs> yes. Okay. Just, if just you're not immune, you're dead, and you're not tasked with finding a Rodriguez movie at the end of the world. So can you... Yes. Okay. Quit being distracted to get on your task. <laughs> Hurry up and get this Rodriguez movie. We're bored. We've already learned how to fight off mutants and shoot them dead. We want some entertainment here with our backs to the ocean here in Mexico. So I'm <laughs> I'm going with From Dusk Till Dawn, and that would be an awesome movie to show outside. Here's the cool thing about that. You're down in Mexico with Rose McGowan, Marley Shelton's character, and the band of survivors. You're in Mexico watching a vampire movie that ends up in Mexico. You'd be like, well, isn't this the biggest freaking coincidence that this is the movie that we find? Um, that That's my choice, too. With my luck, I would be tasked. I ended up with Rodriguez's Shark Boy and Lava Girl movie that he did. Oh my <laughs> it would be like goodness. the one movie, like. Whoever else survived out there, they took the good Rodriguez movie with them and they left Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Um, I'm I, sure the next generation of mankind would enjoy because, you know, you're having to raise the kids in the wasteland. It's like, here, kids, we're having story time. It's Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Enjoy while we do these tasks. Yes. Um, we've talked about a lot already, Carrie. We haven't even talked about like cast highlights for Planet Terror yeah. or Death Proof. I, I think a lot of people are familiar with the cast in these two movies. We've talked about some of them already. We've talked about 
you know, McGowan being kind of the feature woman here. We've talked about Russell as the batting and death proof, but let's spend a minute and just giving everybody a little bit of time here. Um, we've got Ray, who's the other main character in Planet Terror, played by Freddie Rodriguez. Josh Brolin, the diabolical Dr. William Block. Um, we've got Marley Shelton, of course, we've mentioned a couple times, Dr. Dakota Block. Uh, his wife slash lover of Fergie, um, Jeff Vahey, excuse me, Fahey with an F, played uh, JT, who I'll get into along with his brother, uh, JT Haig's brother, Sheriff Haig, played by the awesome Michael Bean. Um, we got to talk about the son, Tony Block. I know you and I were bothered with the gun going off and yeah. him dying. And Death Proof, that was a little problematic for me. I didn't think it was necessary. Planet Terror. Yes, sorry, Planet Terror. Um, <laughs> Bruce Willis. Dear Bruce Willis, playing Lieutenant Muldoon. Uh, that was a fun character. Now, here's somebody that nobody talks about, but he makes me laugh and cringe every time I watch this movie. Naveen Andrews is Abby going around with his canister of testicles. I want your balls. <laughs> I love the way he, he ends says up, he yeah. ends up He ends up falling to the balls, balls or like hitting him in the face of the ground. They're all like slimy from the liquid. Um, and of course, Fergie plays the love interest of Marley Shelton as uh, Tammy. We've got some additional side characters. Here's one that we need to mention among the mix. Um, not only Nikki Cat as Joe, but um, we need to mention Sheriff Haig's sidekick, Tom Savini, Deputy Tolo. I, I know you'll talk about him a little bit more later, Carrie. As far as Death Proof goes, um, again, Kurt Russell, you've got Zoe Bell, uh, who is a Kiwi, actually, and she's actually a real stunt person. She was Uma Thurman's stunt woman in uh, Kill Bill. Um, of course, we've got Abernathy played by Rosario Dawson, who I know you enjoyed. We've got Arlene um, played by Vanessa Ferlito, and I don't really see her or Tracy Toms um, as Kim in a lot. Uh, I never put the connection together that Sidney Poitier was like, because remember we laughed. I'm like, ha ha. They, it's like, oh, this is like a grindhouse quirk where they say they have somebody and then they don't. Like, yeah. no, that's Sidney Poitier's daughter in here as Jungle Julia, like legit Sidney Poitier's daughter. Uh, and and if you knew that going into this movie, which when we first saw this, we did not. But afterwards, we're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, you can see. Oh, my gosh. She looks like her dad. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Mary Elizabeth Wanstead in a very small role, a compromised cheerleader, um, exchanging cheerleaders for muscle cars. Jordan Ladd as uh, Shauna. We've even got the rapist, Warren, played by Quentin Tarantino himself. Marcy uh, Harriel, uh, who's at the bar voicing a man who wins the poetry contest. Eli Roth is a big douche um, at the bar, at the Chili Bar. Um, And we've got some other folks. Uh, We've got uh, Michael Bacall as Omar. We've got Jasper owns the white muscle car from The Vanishing Point, Jonathan Loughran, um, and a few other side characters here. But uh, So, yeah, I just wanted to give them their due. Carrie, out of Planet Terror, who is your favorite character? Oh, come on. It's it's Cherry Darling. I, I mean, it just shows how strong she is. Even when she wants to give up, she doesn't. She's a fighter. Yeah, I, I like that. I think that's. I almost picked her, but um, I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually gonna go with somebody who I actually don't think gets enough love when you talk about 
Grindhouse because he plays a politician in the machete trailer. Um, I think he even says like he's in the limo or something like this. God help us all. <laughs> Machete's flying with his machine guns. But um, I got to go with Jeff Fahey as JT. JT Haig, the owner, proprietor, and sauce sommelier at the Bone Shack Barbecue. And and you know me, I love Michael Bean. Love him. I almost picked him, but Jeff Fahey, I could argue, has a bigger role yeah. in this movie. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. I love me some Michael Bean. I love me some, some Savini. But I'm going with Jeff Fahey because I feel like he needs more love. Um, now, what about moving on to Death Proof? Who's your favorite oh. character there, Carrie? It, it's actually, it's it's Kurt Russell. I mean, I know he's the villain in this. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's not, it's not close. Yeah. Well, you stole mine. <laughs> you stole mine, Carrie. <laughs> so I'm going to steal yours now. Okay. Okay. I'm going to steal yours, which was Rosario Dawson. Um, Abernathy. She steals the scene at the end. Her character goes somewhere where you wouldn't expect her to go. Uh, she's doing Lindsay Lohan's hair to makeup, apparently. But yeah, no, Kurt Russell is stuntman Mike. I mean, I, I'm just going to circle back to him. Um, you could pick any number of women in this movie. Um, the first group of women in Death Proof, I told Jake the Midnight Traveler this, are borderline intolerable and unlikable to varying degrees. I agreed. The second group, okay, consisting of said hair and makeup Rosario Dawson, a movie star, a burgeoning movie star, and two stunt women were less vapid. Okay, here's my issue with the women in Death Proof. Tarantino has three films with women not to be trifled with, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill, and Inglorious Bastards. So when I look at those three movies, I love the women in those three movies. And I fucking hate the women for the most part in Death Proof. They're obnoxious. The first group is obnoxious as hell. So I was fine with them dying. <laughs> I, I think, though, you're supposed to dislike them. Yeah. I, I oh, you're and you're supposed, supposed to, to. you're supposed to love Kurt Russell. I mean, you've got Kurt Russell. <laughs> he was a John Wayne lover, and he gets to, to idolize him basically in this movie. You're supposed to love Kurt Russell. You're supposed to love how diabolical he is. Towards the end of the movie, you're like, oh, God, this guy's got to go. Yeah. Right. But overall, you got to love Kurt Russell. So, Carrie, what's your uh, favorite line or dialogue from each of these two films? So, I really like the scene between Marley Shelton and Rose McGowan, you know, when they're in the holding area and they're talking about useless talents. And Marley Shelton <laughs> like refers that. to a theory that her friend Fergie says at some point in your life you're going to use all your useless talents at once and it's you know those are going to come into play yeah basically foreshadowing yeah what about death proof uh, I, I really love the poem that Kurt Russell has to recite do you hear me butterfly that's a good one I really like that one I almost was going to read that whole thing but I'm going to no. spare everybody even though I've still got longer dialogue, I'm going to read it. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> You're welcome. So for Planet Terror, I'm actually going to go with dialogue between Sheriff Haig and his brother J.T. Haig. Okay, so this is Jeff Fahey and Michael Bine going back and forth. So we're, we're going to start off with Sheriff Haig. Um, 
He says, I was thinking we could, <laughs> of course, they're dying. I was thinking we could build a new place right here where the old one was. You cook, I work the back. And JT says, you don't make that rent so goddamn high. He says, we share the recipe. We share the rent. JT says, start at 250 degrees. And Sheriff A gets out his notepad and pen. He's like, I knew it. For how long? He says, 12 pounds? Sure. 12 pounds, 12 hours. Wrapped in tin foil, right? I don't use no goddamn foil. Damn. Tomatoes? Fresh? Canned. And Bean's character's like, no shit. Yeah. And Sheriff Haig says, you score me some? And JT Haig says very lovingly, and it was kind of a nice moment, oh yeah, because we're brothers. And Haig's like, thank you for this. He says, you just remember, you got to take this recipe to your grave. And Sheriff Haig's like, I think I, I can't goddamn guarantee that and he dies and Hag Hag's like hey, 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 blows up the quarantine chamber I just love that moment between the two brothers where it's, it's like it's they finally love. yeah they finally come together over the barbecue they actually have something in common and they should have just got came together and damn, done the damn barbecue together before the apocalypse <laughs> before, before the mutant apocalypse so from death proof We've got Pam and we've got Rose McGowan back as Pam. And she's basically like, she's noticing that Stuntman Mike, played by Kurt Russell, he's explaining that he's sitting there basically with bubbly water and a lime. And she's like, what are you doing here at a bar? I'm paraphrasing. What are you doing here at a bar if you're not drinking? And Stuntman Mike says, you know, bar offers all kind of things other than alcohol. She says, hmm, really? Like what? Stuntman Mike responds, women, nacho grande platters, the fellowships of fascinating individuals like Warren here. Alcohol is just a lubricant for all the individual encounters that a bar offers. I just like the way he says that. You're making me hungry now. (laughs) I'm making you hungry? I want nachos. Is he talking about the nacho grande platters? Yeah, I want nachos. Well, isn't my fellowship a fascinating things that make me a fascinating individual enough for you <laughs> no no give me the, give me the nachos, nachos. <laughs> and i swear most people in a scene like that where he's chomping down the nachos and licking his fingers it's like it'll be like oh my god he's being sloppy actually watching that i'm like i really want nachos now <laughs> so stop me i don't Mike, condone the licking of the fingers though uh it's a guy thing you have napkins for that well you do both. You lick and do both. And then you say, hey, I'm going to the bathroom to wash my hands or give me some hand sanitizer. I don't think Stop Me on Mike was too concerned with hand sanitizer. So now we're going to move right along, DFM fam, to favorite death or effects from both Planet Terror and Death Proof. Carrie, you go first. Okay. In Planet Terror, I like when Tom Savini gets his wedding finger bitten off. And then he has to put it on the other finger. <laughs> and he's so frustrated. His he has eyes to put are, it on the middle finger. His eyes bug out in this movie constantly. makes me laugh. And then eventually he just gets ripped to shreds like Day of the Dead style. Nice. I, I mean, it, it's a it's pretty awesome sequence. <laughs> There's a lot of shots that are showing Savini's eyes bugging out like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. Savini, it feels like Savini's playing the same guy a lot of times from movie to movie. But he just, I don't know if it's just because he's the effects guy and you know he just belongs here, but he does bring entertainment to all of his little roles. He does. He is memorable in them. He's not just like, 
hey, I'm the effects guy, so I get to be in this movie. He he makes them big time characters. Oh yeah. So little very quirky characters. All the ways back to even his character in the car in Maniac. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but uh, what about Death Proof, Carrie? What are some of your death so, effects there? I love the car crash scene. It's just oh, so gnarly. My God. The tire running How about the, and yeah. smashing. How about her, the, just her the face noise of the car while they're and, getting and killed? Ripping it off. Oh, Vroom. it's just like yeah. you're like, yeah. Oh my! What just when happened? we when we saw this in theaters the opening weekend? My jaw. I actually think my jaw was open at that. I was like, I'm like, this is like the first time you're getting to see people killed in slow motion in a car accident. Yeah. I mean, I'm and sure it's not the first sho- time in movie history. They're showing it. They're showing it They're all. showing their fucking face getting ripped to shreds as the tires smashing across and skipping across her freaking lips and skull and her skin getting peeled off. Yeah. It was pretty gnarly. It was. Um, ah, and Planet Terror, I'm actually going to go with Tarantino's, the effect where his privates are melting. And he is such a foul mouth bastard in that role. Oh yeah, and and to see to see him be so nasty, I think we all wish that rapist dicks would melt off. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> so death proof. Um, listen, I don't know Sydney Poitier. I don't know her in real life. Okay, but I could not stand Jungle Julia in this movie. She was such a narcissist. She was such a bully. Even Pam's character said that she's a bully. Um, I saw that in the way that she interacted and bossed everybody around. But my favorite effect, it's Jungle Julia bouncing her leg out the window and then being ripped off by the forces of a murderous vehicular homicide and the forces of physics at 200 miles an hour. (laughs) So that's my favorite uh, moment. To sir with love. (laughs) What did you just say? Sydney Poitier. Yeah. Can we talk a moment? I think this is obvious how much Tarantino likes feet <laughs> in general, which I fucking hate feet, period. I don't care how pedicured and toenail painted or anything like that. There's nothing that you can do to a foot to make me say, yeah, I want to touch you that foot. It's like, nope, I'm fine. Put some socks on. We're good. Nope. People, I don't want to see you in your flip flops. Don't want to see it. If I'm talking to you and you're in flip-flops, I'm never going to be looking down at the ground. I can almost guarantee it. (laughs) So, um, Feet are for holding you up. They are not for looking at. And that is my opinion, and I'm sticking with it. Uh, And plus, they stink. So Not all feet. Yes, unless you're laying around all day off of your feet, they stink. You usually have something on your feet that's making them perspire, and I hate them. So... Plus, there's other things I hate about them. Ugh. Planet Terror rating, Carrie. Planet Terror rating. What are you rating, Planet Terror? So I'm rating this a three and a half. Yeah, same for me. Three and a half out of five. Okay. Now, what about Duff Proof? I'm rating it a three. Same. It, We're in agreement. I enjoy mm. it, but it just... Gets a little long-winded. Yeah. Gets a little long in the tooth. Yeah. I even think Tarantino said as much. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen less of the first group of girls and more of the second group. Totally agree. So what about the Grindhouse trailers? Because when we're talking about Grindhouse, it's not just about the two movies. It's the whole way that this movie is presented. What's your favorite 
Grindhouse trailer. I love the Thanksgiving one. Yeah. I love seeing Michael Bain in it. And it was just this very dry humor with the trailer. <laughs> White meat. Narrator. Dark meat. Doesn't. All, all... <laughs> doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's a very sensitive and kind narrator. <laughs> White meat, dark meat, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's like, all I think meat it... will be served. You're off of it today. White meat, dark meat, all will be carved. Oh. <laughs> White meat, dark meat. Hey, Billy, doesn't matter which color meat you get. <laughs> this sounds wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are coming up on Thanksgiving in a bit. Thanksgiving, which we're going to go see the Thanksgiving movie at some point here. It's coming out in a few weeks. But uh, with Patrick Dempsey, no less. Um, I'm going to have to go with Machete. Machete made me laugh my ass off. Especially freaking Cheech Marin as the priest with the shotgun. I mean, listen, we had Hobo with a shotgun. Can we get the backstory on Cheech Marin with the shotgun? Can we get the priest with the shotgun movie? Um, now, what about... Well, you know, we already talked about this. We're in agreement that the overall rating for the Grindhouse trailers is 4 out of 5, which that brings the overall Dime for Midnight rating for Grindhouse to a 3.5 out of 5 flamethrowers. Now here's the thing, gang. We're going to add a little asterisk, a little New England Patriots type asterisk. I'm throwing that little dig there. <laughs> caveat. Hey, I'm a Steelers fan. You gotta, you gotta understand the hate. A little caveat to this rating. We would rate this. And you and I talked about this area. Four out of five, instead of three and a half out of five, if we were in theaters. Okay, because it's just not the same experience at home. It's fun, but this movie's tailor made for theaters. Um, our biggest gripe is there's a lot of unlikable characters. Um, some with way more dialogue than what we care for. By no means terrible. Yeah. Very good to excellent. It's better if you could see this in a theater. I know at this point that's going to be almost nearly impossible unless somebody does it out of the kindness of their heart um, or there's like an anniversary showing. But anyways, um, we just feel we loved this movie more in the theater and we feel like it should have spawned at least one more grindhouse for Rodriguez and Tarantino. That's how much we enjoyed it. So... You know, if I could break it up any more, maybe it would be like a, you know, a three, three, eight. If we wanted to take, you know, the fact that we didn't see it at theaters versus the fact that you should. Okay. It was a fun experience in the theater. It yeah. really was. Well, guys, that does it for our comfy horror movie review. Um, I've been super comfy here. I've been drinking this iceberg beer and literal iceberg water in this beer from Alaska. So, and we're better get even more comfy because here in Snacktown, PA, it's going to be like 27 degrees tonight. Don't, so Don't even get me started. I know. I'm not well, ready. you know what? I'm not I, ready I'm for this I'm fine for shit. it being cold, but screw those people that put the, the Christmas lights up already. I'm not ready for the 27 degrees. Yeah. I'm not ready for that. Can I'm we ease either. into it? Yeah. That's what she said. So, next week... <laughs> You don't give no what no middle finger for that comment. Next week, guys, episode thirty nine is a trauma flick. We've got the late great Joe Spinell and the lovely and entertaining Caroline Monroe in the last horror film. Okay, episode forty. We've got a little 
phantom Texar canna killer docu horror true crime horror the town that dreaded sundown on eleven seventeen episode forty one is going to be pretty special that is our Black Friday special that Friday after Thanksgiving. Dawn of the Dead, the classic 1978 zombie masterpiece by Mr. George Romero. Episode 42, watch out where you put that water. We've got gremlins, we've got mogwai, we've got little ghouls with mohawks, we've got little Corey Feldman on the uh, first Friday in uh, December. Okay, episode 43, Black Christmas. It's me, Billy. Hey, Billy. (laughs) That's just an ongoing gag. Okay. On December 8th, episode 44, next to last episode, is Dead End with Ray Weiss on 1215. And we've got The Lodge, which is a later Hammer film of the 21st century, actually. To wrap up our season, episode 45 is the last episode on December 22nd before we take our January break. So, Carrie, let's talk about season two and tease the folks just a little bit. Um, For season two, gang, we're going to take a break from the Taste of the UK month. That's the decision that we made. Um, Just based off of what we were seeing you guys liked in terms of downloads, analytics. Um, But we've got two new theme months. Carrie... You're in charge of a new themed month. What is next May going to be in season two? May is marriage made in hell month. I'm very intrigued by this. I'm I'm a little scared, but I'm also very intrigued that we've got marriage as a theme in horror for that month. Well, it's the start of wedding season. <laughs> if you say so. It, it is. To the woman who married me in October. <laughs> so, But traditionally... It yeah. is the start. So is marriage made in hell? Is this like some sort of nod or nudge my way that you're living in a marriage made in hell? <laughs> no. Just what marriages in a horror movie ever end up happily ever after? Let's, let's, let's yes. think about it. Okay. Unless, back, unless you're murdering together. <laughs> I mean. Back by popular demand, however, is our seaside horror themed month. That's right. We've got Beach Party Bonfires and Blood Month 2. Next July, it returns. Carrie, what else we got? And Jake the Midnight Traveler is leading the way in covering parts of two slasher franchises across four episodes mm-hmm. in September for our late summer slasher months. I like that. I like that. Those are going to be big ones. Uh, and of course, our most popular month is going to return next October, which now feels like forever away. October 2024 is going to be Halloween 258366 Part 2. Okay, that's enough teasers for now, Carrie. So, guys, we love you. See you for segment two. Attention, please. A $50 reward will be paid for information leading to the arrest and conviction of anyone caught stealing our speakers. If you accidentally pull a speaker loose, don't worry. Just turn it in. There is no charge, and we'd appreciate it. Remember those idyllic scenes out of your childhood? Crisp winter nights, star bright, sleigh bells, crackling yule logs. 
candlelight glistening off of shimmering Christmas trees, chestnuts roasting over open fires, carolers beneath snow-covered window ledges. Remember those. Remember them well. After Black Christmas, they'll never be the same again. Black Christmas, starring Olivia Hussey, Keir Dulay, Margot Kidder, and starring John Saxon as Lieutenant Fuller. If this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. Hi, folks. I'm Rico. Oh, no, Joe. He's Peppy. See? You can find us at the concession stand in the lobby. Along with all sorts of other tasty goodies. See? Rico's Nachos, a refreshingly new and different snack discovery. Chock full of high-quality ingredients, crisp, fresh tortilla chips, covered with creamy-aged cheddar cheese, topped off with zesty jalapeno pepper rings. Rico's Nachos, out of sight. Remember, folks, we're the new star at the snack bar. Rico's Nachos, a new taste treat you can't beat. See? Rico's Nachos, on sale at the snack bar now. Okay, everybody, we are back for segment two, or etc., where we're going to cover a bunch of different topics as it relates to Grindhouse and Tarantino and Rodriguez. So, uh, Carrie, why did we name this episode Sorry, No Booze, Only Sweatpants? <laughs> so, we went opening weekend to see Grindhouse. It was our plan to go out to eat that evening and see Grindhouse afterwards. Uh, so this was like, this was, yeah, this was 2007. Yeah. So we went to a local place called Boggers in Westminster, Maryland. It was right down the road from our first apartment. Uh, a small little diner that had, you know, diner stools, the glass counter. You know, you could look and you could see all the slices of pie and they had ice cream there and they have you know fruit stand there you know yeah yeah there there had like the main dining area you could look into the glass and see all the goodies they had um they had like a, a back room area where like a lot of the bigger groups were at yeah i remember anytime we would almost get seated there was like no can we have one of the booths out front like where all the energy is yeah. at but um yeah, you had it was like a produce store attached to the side. You'd have to walk outside and walk around the building to get to it. It wasn't even really like an indoor thing. It was more like an overhang you would walk through. Um, I just remember it not being closed in fully. But um, Boggers, and we haven't been there in ages. No. Okay. It was nothing fancy, but it was, it was well-liked in the area. Um, it was cheap. And at this time, we really didn't have... We've never had a ton of money, but we really didn't have oh, money back yeah. then. Um, what did you... Remind me what you would get to eat at Boggers. I used to always get the chicken April, tenders and fries. This April 2007 Grindhouse opening weekend night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, chicken tenders and fries. I this, mean, see, that's what I mean. That's like super simple, but I, I know why we did that. Yeah, it was like, what, like five bucks, seven bucks or something, something. like that. Something. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And they gave you a lot. I always, by the way, I always hate when you get something that's like a big meat dish, like a burger or a big thing of chicken. And it's like, they give you a little amount of meat and they overload you with nothing but fries. And that pisses me off. Yeah. But they yeah. didn't do that here. No. I, I want I want a decent amount of meat. Give me a decent amount of fries. I just hate it when it's like, it's obvious that they're trying to skimp on the meat. Can't skip on the meat. <laughs> so um, I would always get 
two hot dogs with fries. I always loved it. They they did they split their hot dogs down the middle and sauteed it till it got like a little brown. I used to get the sauteed onion. My breath was always terrible after I ate the sauteed onions, ketchup, mustard. I think it was like two dogs, a side of fries for like five bucks. I remember we would eat there, including dessert, for yeah. under $20 for the both of oh, us. Oh, yeah. I, I think we'd, sometimes we would, I know, we would because skip dessert sometimes. Sometimes we would skip dessert, but I, we can never agree on dessert. Oh, hell no. We can never agree. It's usually me acquiescing to you because you're a big pick ass about stuff. <sighs> listen, <laughs> listen. I love chocolate. You're not a big fan of chocolate, you don't mind it. But I like chocolate. I mean, I'm certainly eating enough damn Halloween candy. I need to stop and slow down. All my uh, uh, ghostly pupper saved me all the butterfingers. That's my favorite. She was on a search last night. Raising her right. So, um, yeah, the boggers in Westminster, Maryland. If you guys get a chance, check it out. But, um, yeah, you'd get like. They and and it's not just a diner. This is like a farming family. They've had yeah. apple orchards. They would give you like whatever the latest and greatest apple was. You would get like free slices and like in a bowl at your. They didn't cost anything. Yeah. It was like, hey, here's here some go. new apples. Here you go, try it free. Um, or they would have some sort of like really ridiculous deal for like a slice of pie for like two bucks or something. Yeah. Um, but it, was it was pie that they were just. I think they were trying to push. There was like a three, two or three year period where we went there, pretty at least a couple times a month. Um, do you remember what pie or ice cream that you would get there? I don't. I mean, you know me. I'm a my favorite ice cream is mint chocolate chip. Yeah, I, I'm a pretty much a creature of habit when it comes to that. So I'm a. I'm not a. You know, like if I see something I normally can't get, you know, that's the thing I'm going to get. Yeah. Like that, and they would have butterscotch pies and butterscotch. Now butterscotch ice cream is pretty common nowadays. But back then, like back way back yonder in 2007, that's making me feel old. Uh, I had it like I'm like, nobody has butterscotch pie. Um, yeah, I love butterscotch. So anyway, so does uh, Ghostly Puppers. But um, yeah. yeah, we would uh, we'd, bring we'd get that or ice cream. Apples home with us. Yeah. Yeah, we would go to that little store yeah. next door. I mean, that's where we discovered our love of Brayburn apples. Brayburn is where it's at. What what was the name of the apple orchard we just went to last weekend in uh, Biglerville? PA? Oh my god! It begins with an H and it's Hollabaugh. Ha- I think Hollabaugh. Holla or Holla? Or... Holla Holla Holla. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't no Hollabaugh, bro. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. Don't get me started. I'm gonna start doing Gwen Stefani except apples. So <laughs> so, anyways, enough about boggers. Um, yeah, I mean, I told you, I remember being at work. And we had those awful, awful uh, chocolate phones, the sliding phones. No, 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 that we didn't even have those yet. Are you sure? Yes, that was okay. that was in our first house. Okay, got it. Okay, because so, Bella used to take them and with her she used to take the take the chocolate phones and you hide, hide them, them under the couch. She knew we couldn't leave. Yeah. without them. No, I wish I could leave without them. I know. Um, yeah, I just remember that we could work. I saw a preview on TV, and this is when we still had direct TV, and you had to like record what you wanted to watch. Streaming wasn't a big thing yet, except for Netflix. But um, I just remember seeing the trailer for this, and like Carrie, remember Kill Bill? Remember how much we love Kill Bill? He's got another one coming out. 
And I'm like, it's a double feature. They've got like, you're like fake trailers. I'm like, yeah, we've got it. When are you going to get another opportunity to see this? That was the whole thing. And at that time we were being really choosy with what movies we saw. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. So we went to the Westminster Mall. We live, This is Westminster, Maryland. This is only like 25 minutes south of where we live now. So they had a little food court at the Westminster Mall. It had like, you know, like most food courts had the Sabero Pizza and the Teriyaki Place. Small little charming mall still stuck in 1985. You could walk right from the little food court area to the inside of the movie theater area. At the time, there was only probably about five or six screens max, but now I believe there's like nine. It's like a re- it's a regal. It was a regal, and it's still a regal theater. Yeah. Anyways, we we loved it. We went to the movie. It was like an eight o'clock showing. Again, this is like three hours. So by the time that we get out, it's well past eleven o'clock, eleven thirty. The time we go to the bathroom. Anyways, <clears throat> really quite the experience. Um, and I know Tarantino's has said this in interviews. I was really surprised that maybe only a third of our feeder, feeder. See, feet. It's all about the freaking feet again. See, <laughs> slip. Um, only a third of the theater was full. Okay. I, the one thing that stood out, remember this, Gary? There was a couple of people that actually got up once the first movie was over. Yeah, they thought that there was it. Yep. They didn't realize they didn't, that there was another of, movie. According to Tarantino, a lot of people didn't get it. People just weren't ready for it at the time. Um, yeah, I mean, I was like, this thing is going to rock. This is Tarantino. It's Rodriguez. This thing's going to kick ass. I mean, when are we ever going to get to see something like this? I mean, unless you're going to seek out a grindhouse or seek out a drive and where they're having some kind of crazy movie night. Um, so anyway, so we were done watching the movie. It's like 11.30, 11.45 by the time we're getting back to our apartment. You take the story from there. Yeah, so we get into our little 2003 Hyundai Elantra. <laughs> I love that car. Oh, that was so reliable. Yep. It was awesome. And we drive back to our apartment, okay? And you got that, what, sophomore year IUP? Yes. Okay. Yes, my first Yeah, whenever you car. were rear-ending people left and right. <laughs> you knew I had to throw that in there. Once. That happened once. Twice. It happened twice. You had a bad week and you did it twice in one week. And I'm not talking you slammed into people. You bumped people. Well, the one was snow. I slammed into <laughs> Oh, the... wait. So now we're up to three. <laughs> no, there was a snow bank. Like, I lost complete because it was rear wheel and it was complete. Did the snow bank come out in the middle of the road and hit you, hit your car? Mm, no. I'm just messing with you. It just so anyways, slid. back to... Back it to, slid. Back to opening weekend for mm. House. So, basically... We're we're pulling right onto the road, and which is not far from the movie theater. Um, it, it branches out, you know, goes to our different department apartment buildings. We get pulled over, and we're literally probably yeah, yeah the apartment the apartment complex had its own road off the main road. We're yeah. two minutes away from our apartment yep. at this point. Uh, we're in our sweatpants <laughs> and yeah. hoodies and. A the cop pulls us yeah, over. I think it was a state trooper. Yeah. And he asked us if we were drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was definitely, he was setting up DUI checkpoint. He didn't believe us. He did not. We had to show him the ticket stub. We had to show him the ticket stub. And I even went so far as to say, hey, we were not drinking at all. We just went to relax and go see a movie. Um, and I even got a little pissed at him because he was being a dick. He was. Um, 
I even said, uh, we don't go to bars and sweat clothes. Okay. Yeah. <coughs> I felt like saying, look at our age. Give us the breathalyzer test already. Yeah. Leave me alone. So anyways. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't, I didn't uh, remember this, but you did. Uh, I mean, really, we didn't know that we had a headlight missing. Yeah. Out. That's actually what got That's us. That's what got I us. Think pulled the, over. I think if the headlight wasn't out. It probably, probably wouldn't have got pulled over. No, but we had a, he gave us, yeah. a, he did not fine us, but he did not give us a, a just, verbal it wasn't warning, just a verbal warning. We had to jump through. He oops. could have given us a verbal warning. He would I've have been well within his right. I've got some thoughts around cops that are really there to serve people and cops that are there for an ego trip, but that's a whole but other story. He had to I, give actually, us. Yeah. I, I love most, most cops I've encountered are actually pretty cool. But uh, anyways, he just had to give us a slip of paper that we had to go and get it fixed within 10 days. And if we didn't do it in 10 days, we were going to be fined like $250, which is a little insane, in my opinion. And we had to mail it back as proof that it was completed. Yeah, pretty standard. Um, but yeah, it was a pain in the ass. It was like, God, I'm just leaving from point A to point B to the theater. Like, don't you have anything better to do? But anyways, um, yeah, that could have ended up in a nice little hefty fine. Um, now Carrie, I want to talk a little bit about Grindhouse 2, the sequel that never was. So both Tarantino and Rodriguez have said for a while now, I, I can't remember the last time the inter- the last interview was, that they wanted to make a Seagrant house. Um, Tarantino's, if it was successful, <clears throat> pardon me, Tarantino said that he wanted to shoot an old school uh, skill kung fu movie. That would be cool. In Mandarin with subtitles in some other wow. countries. Um, and then he was going to release like a shorter dubbed cut in some other countries. But anyways, um, the trailer for Don't, was potentially going to be the other film. Okay. And that double feature. Um, now, Eli Roth and the guy who did the Don't trailer, Edgar Wright, um, discussed at one point pairing Don't with Thanksgiving that we're actually now getting in a few weeks yeah. for a Grindhouse sequel. That would make more sense. Roth actually was quoted as saying, we're talking to Dimension about it. I think they're still trying to figure out Grindhouse 1 before we think about Grindhouse 2. Um, but he went even so far as to say Roth that he had worked on an outline for it and that he was willing at the time to do a sequel. So that obviously didn't happen. Don't kind of just faded. Uh, Machete was the first movie that came out of the trailers that actually was made. Um, there was a sequel Machete Kills. I know there's some other Machete movies like Machete in Space or something like that, <clears throat> but I will have to check some of that out some other time. But, um, yeah, so Electra and Elise, the two ladies, um, the nieces of Rodriguez, who played the crazy babysitter twins in both films, <clears throat> stated that their uncle, Robert Rodriguez, wanted to do a sequel featuring both Machete and the babysitter twins. Um, but obviously Machete came out. Um, one of the twins, Electra, uh, had said that she discussed it with her uncle Robert. 
um, something about in this movie with them. There's it's the end of the world, and it's more like a Hollywood action film where the two babysitter twins will be trained in Mexico, come back and fight. So, anyways, that's just some information that I wanted to share about things that never came to pass. Hmm. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk hmm. about was Tarantino movies that were actual real Tarantino ideas that never got made. Okay. So there's a lot of them. I'm not going to like read this entire thing or anything like that. But um, <clears throat> there was at one point um, Tarantino said, and you're going to love this. He was quoted as saying he would do a true to form adaptation of true blood. And now, now wait a second. No, Carrie, it's not the vampire thing. Okay, settle settle down. I'm talking about Rambo. Hmm. Okay? He said, Tarantino's quote said, I would do the novel and Kurt Russell would play the sheriff and Adam Driver would play Rambo. Um, and Tarantino basically said, I, I love the book. I love the dialogue. It would have been a lot of fun. Okay? Um, there's the old 60s TV show, The Man from Uncle, UNCLE. Yeah. Um, that was something that Guy Ritchie had a take on it in like 2015. So anyways, that's like American Russian spies join forces. Another project that you would be interested in since we both love Inglorious Bastards was Killer Crow, um, which was a spinoff to Inglorious Bastards. So it was, there was like a chunk of his script that never made it into, well, just, it, it was never created. Um, Lieutenant Aldo Rain, as we know, played by Brad Pitt, comes across a platoon in this killer crow of black soldiers who are also on a mission of revenge. Huh. Okay. They got screwed over by white officers of the military. <clears throat> um, I would still like to see that be made. Uh, I, I feel like we had some of that itch scratched with like um, Overlord to some degree because of the, the lead in that movie. But yeah. um, then there was another one. That was a prequel to Pulp Fiction called Double V Vega. Um, and you know, obviously, who that's about. Um, the movie, funny enough, Carrie, would be about Vincent. It was going to take place in Amsterdam. He's running a club for Marcellus Wallace <laughs> in Amsterdam. So there's that. That would be pretty cool. <clears throat> yeah, Michael Madsen was going to reprise um, his character from Reservoir Dogs in that movie. So that's all Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs was kind of connected. They were going to show that connectedness through double v vega obviously there's the big one that has still not been made yet kill bill volume three <clears throat> everybody points to the original idea vernita green vega a fox's character being killed yeah and the little girl coming after beatrix for yep. revenge okay a long time ago tarantina and uma talked about it um there was like a, I think like an old, I think it was like serious podcast interview where Uma said it's not really in the works or it's not, it's not really coming anytime soon. Um, both of them said we've discussed it over the years, but they've never really taken it past kind of like formal discussions. Um, so yeah, I, I don't have any hope that that's ever really coming at this point. I, I doubt it, it, it would have happened at this point if it was going to happen. Yeah. I feel like we're getting to the point where like... Yeah, exactly. Well, 
here's the other thing too. Tarantino has said multiple times that his he's thinking about his last film being a horror film, but I've also read where he's going to do like a a movie about a movie critic or somebody that knows a lot about movies, which is kind of like meta because he's talking about himself, himself, right? Yeah. Um, He wanted to do an R-rated Star Trek, which is really interesting. Here's something that appeals to me. And Jake the Midnight Traveler, when you listen to this, I'm sure you're going to laugh. Tarantino thought about doing a 1930s gangster movie. That That's what I want to see. Yeah. I want to see that. I mean, I know there's been a lot of movies done about that, but not with Tarantino. At one point, they even, he talked about doing an erotic movie, he talked about doing a James Bond movie. <laughs> um, he talked about doing a Django Zorro mashup together. I don't know how that one really would have worked out. Um, yeah. And then there's some other, like he talked about doing a full on spaghetti Western, kind of like the old ones with like Klaus Kinski and whatnot. But uh, anyways, so that's, I just wanted to mention some things that never came to pass there too. Now, Carrie, can you name for me, or matter of fact, I'll start this off. Okay. I'm going to name a Rodriguez movie that I wish he would make. <clears throat> and I'm going with the faculty requel. Okay. I want to see Josh Hartnett and Elijah Wood back as either teachers or janitors or something with some new faces, return of the alien forces. Um, I'd like to see another Rodriguez creature feature. I think it would be zany fun in the best possible way. So how about you? That, that would be good. Um, I'd actually like to see him do an action movie right now that's kind of like a thriller, like a thriller action movie. Interesting. Is there like a specific setting or? I mean, the setting doesn't really matter, but it's like. On the moon. (laughs) No. Okay, fine. Not on the moon. On an asteroid. That was done already. In Armageddon. <laughs> we don't need a, another asteroid thriller, movie. It's not a thriller action movie. No, but we don't need... <laughs> need Rambo. We don't need another Armageddon. Rambo in space. <laughs> no. No, no, no. No. I want, like, a straight-up, like, action, thriller-esque, like... It's got some elements and some, like, cool kills that you could do. You mean, like, Bullet Train? Kind of like that, yeah. yeah. So you want that energy. Yeah, you want that, the action that, that energy. Fun, like, <clears throat> got it. Face. So it's got to have a cool soundtrack to go along yeah. with it. Okay. You, yeah, you want... I know what vibe you're going for. Okay. <clears throat> so now, we're guys, we're going to close out episode 38. Sorry, no booze, only sweatpants. <laughs> with what our ideal Grindhouse experience would be, where we're each going to come up, Carrie and I, with a double feature... Four trailers of movies that actually exist, along with two ads. And Carrie, uh, I'm going to let you go first. <clears throat> Force you to scroll. Scroll through the guy, Carrie. I'm there. Okay. I would like to see Bone Tomahawk. Ooh. And then Kill Bill Volume 1. I see you want... <clears throat> you can never go wrong with a Kurt Russell movie. Nope. Okay. And that one is brutal. It is hell. brutal. Who's the guy from Party of Five that kind of steals the show in that movie? The old, the older, more responsible one in Party of Five. I can never remember that actor's name, but he steals the show in Bone Tomahawk. Very yeah. brutal movie. That's a, That would be a good Grindhouse movie. 
Um, Kill the Volume 1. Okay, I feel the love there. Okay. At least you didn't say Volume 2. <laughs> well, and my, my trailers would be Kill Bill Volume 2. Oh, my God. Okay. And, and, and think about this one. This, this one, you're going to, like, drive. I can't get away from Barbie. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can only think of Barbie now when I think of Ryan Gosling. No, he, I mean, he's Knuff. <laughs> I still think of him as the notebook. I still think of him oh, as this drive. Sorry, I still think I about book. Like, yeah, I think of him as other stuff. You know what I think of when I think of the notebook? I think of the just, land. I think of just friends when they're in the theaters watching the notebook. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene. Oh, Pookie. <sighs> and he's like sitting there silently. <laughs> Like enraged and crying at the same time. Oh my god! <laughs> I love that movie. Like I seriously forced you to watch that movie so many times. Want to talk about a great holiday banned movie? It. You banned it. No, I haven't. I love Just Friends, just not as much or as often <laughs> as you want to love it. I swear. <clears throat> oh my god, <laughs> Dusty. Okay. I'm gonna be the most dusty of dusty oh my god that's not an actual line i don't think i know okay so we've got kill bill volume two okay drive. we went off hit the xylophone because you went on it's your fault that we went on a just friends tangent i don't know why you brought that up <laughs> you're so sick i made you think I, you brought it up i actually the one that brought it up okay what oh so drive drive, drive. yeah yeah there's something about you, boy. That soundtrack that. and that grittiness yeah. Ooh, of that yeah. movie and the ending. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm doing Just Friends again. Ooh, yeah, baby. When Jamie smiles. It takes me miles. <laughs> okay. Oh, I saw the name Fulci on here. Yeah. What yeah. do you have planned for your third trailer here, Carrie? Fulci's Conquest. Oh, my God. That was fun. <clears throat> oh, my God. That was fun. Fulci's Conquest. I love it. It was coherent in a way, manner that was so fun. You know you've got a really fun sword and sorcery movie when it's got laser bone arrows in it. I love that one. It's such a weird music in that and the whatever those creatures were attacking. It. Yeah, I'm not still not sure. You kind of went like art house erotic sort of with the last one here and i kind of okay. love it last and final one, one. of our popular episodes yes. one of our most popular episodes you talked about this movie this was like a carrie husky voice talking about somebody from this is us <laughs> kiss of the damned yeah i love that movie if you haven't seen it yeah watch it if you're a big i highly recommend if you're a big vampire fan and if you're a big 70s vampire fan it's got a lot of kind of arty 70s vampire vibe going on. But it's not just that. Like, there's so many <laughs> tones to that movie. Yep. And the more you watch, you're just like, yeah. oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh. It's a hot movie. Yeah. It's a very hot movie. Um, you know what, though? It's never trashy, though. Oh, it's classy as hell. <laughs> I mean, a, when you, when you think classy, about it. It's got a classy threesome in it. Um <laughs> <clears throat> anyways yeah maybe maybe apparently super sex yes so what about two ads gary all right so i would have the dancing and singing candy bars and popcorn that's a classic i i just i really enjoy sitting there 
you know, am watching this next one. And of course, <laughs> I'm getting hungry again. What is this next idea that you have? <laughs> I'm very, I'm both intrigued and concerned. <laughs> I want to see movie theaters. So we're in a grindhouse. We're in this dingy grindhouse watching your concoction here. <laughs> and what the hell to start, this? I'm going to see an ad for Italian food. <laughs> Jesus. Being served while I'm sitting there eating pasta. So, I was gonna say, oh, a pizza. That makes sense. No, no you're gonna eat pasta. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I'm gonna eat pasta. <laughs> Go to the concession stand and get a bowl of pasta. Yeah, <laughs> be not? the worst pasta you've ever had. <laughs> Why not? <clears throat> no, I, I get. It. And you know, pretty hard to you know what, just because it's an ad doesn't mean it's just for the concession stand food. They they've got patrons that support the grass. Oh, let me tell you, you could have little <clears throat> pop up. There's little like, car there's little car mines down the street from the grindhouse that's got the best veal in town. <laughs> you could have a little pop up, you know, like cars and vans that come and serve. Like uh, for a second there, I thought you were talking about a, another movie here. <laughs> no, seriously. This is a grindhouse, Carrie. Nobody wants to drive to this thing. Okay. I think you're it's like I think we have. I think somebody's about to commit a crime in this grindhouse. Let's go to Carmine's and get some pasta. Great ad, great idea. Let's get the fuck out of here. No, the, the pop up. Listen, this sounds like a lot of stains to get out. Well, that's why you carry a shelf. You know what though? I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> However, I think something like ravioli or gnocchi. Oh yeah, would work best. Gnocchi. You couldn't do sit at the theater and have spaghetti and meatballs. Come on, who doesn't like potato like? <clears throat> Okay, we're talking about Grindhouse. This isn't like the ones where you get the fancy tables and you get the meal <clears throat> and the and the craft beer. No, seriously. You're sitting in your lap with a bowl of pasta trying not to hey, get sauce all over There are movie theaters that do serve wine and beer I'm and just, other but, food. But, but we're in a Grindhouse, Carrie. Why not? We're in a Grindhouse, Carrie. We're in a Grindhouse. Why not? It's not a fancy Grindhouse. That's, it doesn't have to be fancy. I am not fucking eating pasta in a nasty, <laughs> cum-stained-ridden grindhouse. I'm just going to say that. No. Ew. Ew. I have to lay plastic down to sit in this grindhouse. I'm not eating pasta in it. It could be clean. No. There will be no pasta. No calzone. No stromboli. No meatball sandwich. Too sloppy. Too sloppy, Gary. Sorry. We Those need are it. some good meatballs. <laughs> okay and on that note we've got pasta and meatballs on the nasty 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 grindhouse seats we're not talking like luxury leather take your kids to this theater this is the grind this is the grindhouse no pasta at the grindhouse does it have to be grindhouse or can it just be like a theater that we're t we're no longer talking about grindhouse carrie oh Jesus. Hmm. Okay. Well, listen. My double feature that has nothing to do with eating pasta in a nasty grindhouse. Okay. I am that previously mentioned movie, Picking Thriller, A Cruel Picture in Nightmare City. I'm on a bit of an Umberto Lenzi kick right now. I am going to pick... Um, Thanksgiving 2, which doesn't technically exist. Uh, Tarantino's never-made kung fu flick he had in mind for Grindhouse 2. Um, I'm cheating a bit. Some clearly designated Canadian tax shelter film 
and Kill Bill Volume 3, which I know you'll love. And for uh, closing out this episode, guys, I'm going to go with two ads that uh, one being an ad for the bar in Death Proof that Jake the Midnight Traveler mentions earlier, um, Gueros. Um, and I want those margarita and nachos that some of Mike's eating. I actually want the regulars like Mike and Jungle Julia and even Eli Roth's douchey character like in the background. And then for the second ad, let's go with a fictitious mom and pop movie rental store ad highlighting like black market tapes in the adult section. Well, anyways, guys, that does it for um, episode 38. Sorry, no booze, only sweatpants. And uh, yeah, next week we're talking, like we said earlier, the Texarkana Phantom Killer. I'm sure Jake's got a lot of interesting things about Texas to say in next week's episode. Love you guys. Have a great November, even though October's over. Love you.